faithful listener, welcome to yet another episode of Soccer Not Football. I am Della, um, with always my host Daniel, and um, this has been a, I'm this has been a great week. You know, uh, has this been a great week, Daniel? Yeah, lots has happened. Um, a lot of games to talk about, so we'll have uh, we'll have a good show for you today. Yes, exactly. Uh, things have been coming up, uh, especially if you support the U.S., especially if you support Chelsea, and um, I am both, so let's just get straight into it. So, um, starting off with the Champions League, the second um, leg ties had occurred, and we finally figured out who has made it to the quarterfinals. We're going to be playing against each other, but first, let's see who made it out of the round of 16. Um, we have Chelsea, um, who finished their game against the league leaders in La Liga, Atletico Madrid, um, pretty pretty handily. Uh, to uh, I would say, um, shut the shut the um, offense down um, with uh, Yao Felix and uh, Luis Suarez. Uh, a two-zero victory that cemented their uh, three-all three-all overall um, victory to move on to the uh, quarters. And, you know, looking at, at the draw, you know, this might be Chelsea's year. You know, um, Tuchel has definitely resurrected um, the team from some of their struggles. You know, not to say they're perfect, but they definitely have been on the right track and still in contention to um, make, some, make some magic happen, I would say. Yeah, uh, most of the round of 16 games were, to be quite frank, kind of boring. Um, not in the sense that the games were boring, but just the drama wasn't really there. Uh, most of the games, actually, I think all the games, in fact, were uh, the team that won the first leg ended up advancing, so no team was able to to overturn the deficit. There was only one game that really had any drama in it. All the other games were, were pretty clear who was good to go through um, pretty early on in that second leg. Um, Chelsea did look look really good against Atletico. They're they're looking really solid at the back. Tuchel's definitely got them playing much better defense. I think that's 13 games unbeaten under him in all competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got they got some of their summer signings playing well. Uh, Havertz, Ziyech, um, uh, wow. Werner. They uh, they all linked up for a goal in that Champions League game. So that's something that if you had said two or three months ago that that wasn't happening under Lampard. So it's a good sign for them. Um, we'll look at who they're taking on in the next round. They're going to play Porto in the quarterfinal who uh, had a shock uh, 4-4 aggregate win over Juve. They could go through on away goals. Um, that was probably the most interesting uh, game of the round. Uh, Porto won 2-1 in the first leg and then scored the first goal at Juventus. So they're up 3-1 on aggregate. Juve came back to score two. Then Porto got a red card. But Porto was able to score a free kick in extra time. Juve scored a goal late, but they just they weren't able to come back from that. Um, what would you think of that game, Della? Were you surprised that Porto was able to pull it out? Um, I had a I had a feeling that Juventus would um, fall into their old habits. Uh, they have a habit of underplaying their competition, and you know it would come to bite them. In the, but it happened um, with uh, Ajax. Uh, Ajax um, back in 2019, and then again uh, with uh, with um, was it was it Leon? Yep, Leon yeah. last year. Yeah, 
you know, last year, and um, now it's happening again. It happened again with Porto. Um, I don't know. They uh, just haven't been prepared to to play. Um, you know, they get a, a weak opponent and decide to uh, play to their competition, and you know that's a dangerous game because if you can't shake it off, you know the other team's just going to want more. And I think we saw that with Porto. Um, they were still in it without, you know, at, without being at full strength, only being with 10 men. Um, and they had a pretty more solid execution than uh, Juventus did. And, you know, Juventus were kind of relying on some of their high-end talent to to bail them out. And, um, you know, uh, Ronaldo wasn't uh, there as he was before. And, um, you know, some of the other players um, couldn't, can make it happen. The Morata um, missed a couple chances. Um, McKinney got subbed in, um, trying to help, but you know, um, still going through a little bit of an injury. And it's interesting to see, you know, because it's been three years since uh, the Ronaldo signing, and um, they have failed at their main objective three years running. And he's not getting any older. He's not getting any younger. So. You might see this. Is this a time for a rebuild? Will Ronaldo even be around uh, next year? But um, credit to Porto for for the win. Um, and uh, yeah, it, and not to say you know um, there'll be easy opponent for for Chelsea. Um, so you know, hopefully they don't fall into the same mistakes that Juventus did. Yeah, a lot of people were blaming Ronaldo and saying he didn't step up for that for that game and score a goal. Um, he was, I guess, partly at fault for the last Porto goal. He was standing in the wall and decided to jump and the Oliveira kicked it under him and scored a nice free kick. But I think that's, that's kind of people just being prisoner of the moment. They're, they're just trying to find someone to blame and they're picking the biggest star on the team. Yeah. Um, Juve wouldn't be here without Ronaldo. He's been scoring goals at an incredible rate um, for the last three years since he's got there. He's basically shown the whole world who Juventus is. Um, he's bought a big spotlight on them in Serie A. So to blame Ronaldo's a bit harsh. Yeah, he didn't score a goal. Maybe he didn't have his best performance, but I, it's definitely wasn't all his fault. It was definitely more of the team's fault. Um, maybe just some of the players that are at Juventus need to go. You know, like Ramsey, um, Rabiot, those midfielders maybe aren't the best fit. Um, some of those players at the back, Demiral, gave away a soft penalty. Um, yeah, just some of those players didn't step up to the moment, and now they're out of the Champions League. Yeah, and I will say that I think it was McKinney's foul that led to that goal, um, what led to the winning goal for Porto. It's, it's funny how Porto, they, they lost the game. They lost, drew, and, and won all at the same time. It's it's hilarious. That's, that's soccer for you. That's the beauty of the away goals. Um, and... Uh, since, you know, uh, we just reported to you that uh, McKinney is going to be a permanent player for Juventus for the foreseeable future, he's going to be – he might be the one to help spearhead this this possible re- rebuild Juventus might have uh, because, you know, they're still behind in Serie A. Um, and um, I don't know what else they're competing for, um, but if there's any turnover, then um, – any manager, if Pirlo does stay, you know, they might make him the focus. So interesting to see right there. And then um, 
moving on to uh, the Barca PSG game, uh, Messi actually did everything he could to uh, force a uh, another comeback against uh, PSG, but unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. Um, they drew one one, and you kind of needed more goals considering they lost four uh, one in the in the first leg. Um, so yeah, Barca have been dumped out their earliest exit um, for for a while, and um, it just adds more question marks to see if Messi had played this last Champions League game for Barcelona. Yeah, it was a bit of a shame. Um, his game was overshadowed by that missed penalty. Uh, he scored a rocket earlier in the game. It was it was one of his classic Messi goals, but that that penalty saved by Kaylor Navas, really that first half by Kaylor Navas really kept PSG in that game. Um, Barcelona had five or six really good chances. Dembele had a, a couple of good chances. Dest even uh, hit the post. Uh, Navas parried it and hit the crossbar. He had a good chance on goal. Um, but yeah, that missed penalty did kind of spurn Barcelona away. If they had gotten that goal, they would have only needed two goals in the second half and they would have had all the momentum with them. But it just wasn't meant to be, you know, you can't dig yourself that deep a hole and expect to get out of it all the time. So I think, I think Paris were, were the better team over the course of the two legs and, and they were right to go through. Mm-hmm. This wasn't the Paris of 2017, you know, um, they're more experienced now. Um, they actually have Champions League experience um, compared to um, that like master choke that they had. And um, it'll be interesting to see where they go and uh, who they, play against and um you know we'll talk about that soon and then um just pretty much uh the early teams have there wasn't like i said no real surprises over there um thorman liverpool real city bayern um they pretty all uh handled their ties pretty easily if not um by the first leg then definitely the second leg and um just and yeah nothing else to report there um Holland did become one of the youngest players, the youngest players to score another um, gold milestone in the Champions League. So he's definitely going to be um, a sight to see in the knockout stages. Um, Liverpool finally got a home win, though technically not home. Um, Real handled Atalanta. Um, City took care of uh, Goblock. Um, bye and took care of Lazio, and um, yeah, I think uh, not having crowds at the game uh, really affected it. Um, because this round was like I said, kind of boring in the drama department. Usually, in the second leg, when a team's down, you know, they score that first goal, the crowd gets behind them, the other team starts to get nervous. They there really wasn't any of that this year because. Well, there's no crowds at the game to to get those those home teams back in it. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was a little disappointing. That that took a little bit of the magic out of the Champions League. But nonetheless, I think all the better teams went through. I don't think there was really any upsets except for Porto over Juve. So I think everything was uh, was straight across. Yeah, and then moving on to Champions League Junior, we have the Europa League. Um, one of the biggest highlights, uh, one of the biggest, one of the bigger games uh, that occurred was uh, Milan over Man United, and uh, Man United got the got the win um, with with a Pogba strike, um, and it shows how 
Um, and it shows, you know, um, Poba can still contribute um, to a team in case anyone did forget. And uh, United are going to be moving on to the quarterfinals. Um, and um, it's just a sad um, sight to see Milan season falter um, the way it, it has been. Um, falling behind to Juventus, falling behind to um, Inter, um, losing out on the losing out in the Europa League. Um, they might have the Coppa Italia, but I'm not totally sure. And, um, yeah, definitely uh, a far cry from the promising outlook in January. I think uh, Manchester United were lucky not to be losing at halftime in this game. Uh, they played pretty poor in the first half. Milan had a, had a couple of good chances that they weren't able to take. And then Pogba came in off the bench, and, and three minutes in, he proved why he's still a, a really solid player. Um, I think this might be a blessing in disguise for Milan because now they just only have the league to focus on. I think that's really what their main objective is, is, is to get back into that Champions League spot, those Champions League spaces. And the with the squad they have right now, it's already kind of depleted. They've had a bunch of injuries. Zlatan's still out. They're still missing some of their, their key midfielders. So this will just put less games on them and so they can focus on the league and, and secure that top four position which is looking pretty good for them right now, but they still have, they still have to win some games down the stretch to, to make it uh, done and dusted. Yeah. And then um, we actually had some drama in uh, the Europa League with uh, Tottenham with yet another um, massive collapse. Um, let me just recap this to, to you. Um, so Tottenham won 2-0 in the, in the first leg, and they're still up 5-2-0. Um, going into halftime, and then, um, uh, and then, um, uh, Sabe scored two goals, um, near the end of the game, and then during added time they scored the winning goal to knock Tottenham out. Mind you, um, their manager is currently in prison, right? So they were without a manager that he is currently serving four years. And he was able to still beat Jose Mourinho and the likes of Son, Kane, Bale. And pretty much it was just an embarrassing showing for Tottenham and Mourinho didn't, didn't hold back. Yeah, I found that out after the game. I thought that was, that was pretty funny, just a little tidbit that their, uh, their manager was in prison. But I think I might be uh, a curse to some of these Premier League teams because I a while back I said – Manchester United were, were going to make a run at the title. And then like two weeks later, it was Manchester City who pretty much taken a stranglehold over you're, it. And you're the and curse. Co- I'm the curse. I picked Tottenham to win the Europa League. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I, I said, I said, uh, watch out for Spurs because they might make a run at it. They got Mourinho and they got some top players and it was looking good for, uh, for three halves of, of the tie. And then that last half, they just fell asleep and they thought they had already won it. And, and once you turn turn it off you it's it's much harder to turn it back on yeah exactly Uh, once you're once that mentality is already like we've got it one we got it in the bag and and the other team comes and sneak it it's it's always a twice the uphill climb that it usually is yeah and credit to Mourinho for congratulating the team gradually graduating um dynamo and um you know just like praising them you know because the better team came out to play 
and you know it definitely wasn't um, Tottenham. You know, it is the history of Tottenham, and it just shows you know how they're gonna move past the season. You know, the league is probably out of reach for them. Um, they still have the um, football league cup, but they're gonna be playing City in the final. So how are they gonna get them to play against that? And even then, would it be enough for Mourinho to even go past the second season? So tough answers over in North London. Yep. RIP to all the, the Americans in the Europa League. We had our last uh, combatant fallout, uh, Jordan Sibichu for uh, young boys. They got knocked out by Ajax. So no more Americans in the Europa League, but you know, I'm sure there'll be tons more next year. So we can look forward to that uh, for next season. Yep. And we do have a couple still left. We have Pulisic uh, and uh, – and we have uh, Zach Steffen, but you know he's the backup quarterback for Man City. And but um, we still got Geo too, Geo at, oh, at Dortmund. And, yeah, and Geo, of course. He's kind and, of fallen out of favor, but maybe he'll uh, he'll make his way back for for the City matchup. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Manchester City and Dortmund are going to be playing against each other. Uh, going to be an exciting uh, matchup, and you know um, show. Um, probably show like the city board you know why they need to buy holland if they buy holland then i don't know i'm probably gonna quit this podcast <laughs> i mean honestly man city look pretty good without a striker um the last couple games they've played aguero's been hurt he's still been waking working his way back from injury so he hasn't been playing that much and this past game against gladbach they they didn't start jesus they started bernardo silva as the nominal nine um he wasn't he doesn't actually play striker he plays more of the the false nine but they still look really good with that um because they have a bunch of other players that can that can run behind that allows Foden and Sterling and and De Bruyne to really shine so of course any team would take Erling Holland. he's he's probably the the top or second most uh talent in the world right now but I think they're they're fine without him they did they don't need him um, yeah, they don't they need, need him. Will they buy him? Like, if they had the chance, of course. It's like they they didn't need Messi, but they still made a run at him. That's true. I think. I mean, I think they should still try to go for Messi, but that's just. Uh, I I hope they don't go for Messi because then they'll they'll win everything. But if I'm Man City, I would rather go for Messi than Holland. Yeah. So then uh, in the other side of the bracket, because uh, they selected the quarter and the semis, so whoever um, makes it out of that tie uh, would face either Bayern or PSG, and uh, that would be a nice repeat of last year's uh, final. Um, and Bayern has been looking a little bit weak, but so has PSG as well, um, you know, having their dominant selves in, uh, in the league. So it'll be interesting to see um, if uh, we might get a different result than before. And, you know, this will be against in two games instead of, instead of one. And uh, we'll see if Neymar uh, comes back as well. I think Bayern are still favorite for this tie um, just because they've been there, done that. They were their last year's champion. So they're going to be favored until someone knocks them off. But um, PSG look really solid. I know they didn't look great in that final game against Barca, but if they can if they can find that first game against Barca Magic, I think uh, Bayern are leaking goals at the back and 
And when you have a guy like Mbappe and if they can get Neymar back um, alongside either a Cardi or most Kane up front, PSG are going to poise a, a, a dangerous front. And, and the way Bayern play, I think they, they might get exposed on the counterattack. But I, I also think that Bayern will, will be able to, to find a way to, to overcome PSG. I think they'll understand that they can't let that happen because if they do, they're going to be punished. And over two legs, I, I expect Bayern to, to go through and, and meet up with Man City, who are, who are probably the two best teams left in the competition. Yeah. I would say that the thing about PSG, um, my reservations that I had, you know, when the final, uh, from when they had their finals, like it was pretty much the Mbappe and Neymar show. And, you know, if one of those guys doesn't get going, then pretty much the whole team doesn't get going. And that whole tie against Barca was pretty much the Mbappe show. So, and uh, we've seen them, and we've seen the Bayern defenders be able to, to shut them down. And, you know, um, it's, it's likely they can do it again. Um, but if uh, they can, but if um, Mbappe or Neymar can increase the magic, then I can see them going far in this tournament um, and uh, return back. And might even be the Man City and definitely, definitely Dortmund. So um, definitely the top heavy um, uh, side of, uh, of the draw. And then uh, we go into um, the other side when we have a Real versus Liverpool in another uh, Champions League final rematch as well. Yeah. A um, couple years ago, I think that's three years ago. I don't know. All the seasons kind of, kind of blend together for me these <laughs> past couple of seasons. Yeah, but... it, was, it was two years ago. Um, I think it was two years ago. And then um, you had the, um, you know, the Sala Ramos injury, you know, you had a, Kyrie's mistakes, fumbles at the um, when he was playing goalie, fails overhead kick, um, yeah, and pretty sure there's no love lost from from that final. Yeah, I I think this one might be the hardest uh, game to decide who's the favorite in because both teams have kind of been a little hot and cold this year. Um, Real have kind of really uh, leaned on Kareem Benzema to score big goals for them especially in La Liga this year, if Benzema's not scoring, no one else is really picking up the slack. Um, and for Liverpool, they've, we've talked about their issues a bunch um, at center back in the midfield. So it depends on which Liverpool team will show up. Um, I think Real are slight favorites in this just because they've, they've been there, done that. They've won four uh, titles in the last, in this decade. So, think you would have to put them as slight favorites but it's it's really close to call yeah you have um Liverpool have been struggling in the league um but they have made it out the Champions League you know like it's only been a couple years removed from the Champions League win and their final appearances and then you have Real who have been the standard uh for the past couple years but mind you you know that was a totally different um, Real team than um, what we've been seeing before. You know, a lot of a lot of fresh faces, a lot of new, a lot of players still trying to find a make their mark on the team. Um, kind of in the transition type of period, and um, you know, still trying to find an identity um, post Neymar. You know, you know, even with a title win and all. Um, so 
yeah, this could be England's tie. And then, um, of course, we have Porto versus Chelsea. Um, Chelsea has been, you know, like I said, pretty much resurrected with uh, Tuchel and uh, Porto. Um, they're always very solid defensively. Um, and the manager actually was uh, – when he found out about ties, like, oh, you know, we'll just go in and uh, beat Chelsea like we did at Juventus. So um, they're definitely ready for the challenge. Um, so, yeah. I think – I don't want to jinx it, but I think Chelsea have the best shot to make the uh, the final out of this, this quadrant. Um, they've just been playing really well right now. And most importantly, they have not been conceding goals. And that's really important over, over a two-leg uh, – game to like tie to to not give away silly goals that's part of what costs Juve uh their game in the first leg they just basically pass the ball into the back of their own net and Chelsea haven't done that and they're not giving their opponents the opportunity to score so I think if they can they can stay solid at the back they'll be able to find a couple goals up front from from their attacking players who are starting to find some cohesion and and they'll be able to get by Porto, and then they're not going to be scared of Liverpool. They just beat them in the league, and they're not going to be scared of Real Madrid because Real Madrid aren't quite the same juggernaut that they've been the last couple of years. They're still very good, still, you know, wouldn't count walking all over them. But I think Chelsea right now, they're riding high, and they they must feel pretty good. They still got a lot of work to do. You know, it's, it's obviously, you know, they're not handed anything, but they're – they're looking good right now. They're glad they didn't draw Man City or Bayern on their side. Yeah, what's well, definitely going to make or break, uh, you know, whether or not they get it to the final or not, it's the performances of the summer signings that they bought. Um, you know, uh, the link up between uh, Kai Havertz to Timo Ferner to Hakeem C.H. That's been, you know, something that we've been, the, the Chelsea fans have been waiting for, you know, pretty much all season. And now, like, this is what, you know, they bought you for it. Now you have to earn your, um, earn your price tag. You know, we only have, they only, they only, they bought 150 million for one goal so far. And, you know, that's, they need to step it up um, and show why this is the reason why they bought these players to compete in elite competitions like this. So um, interesting to see how they will rise to the challenge. Quick prediction: Who do you who do you got winning the Champions League? Chelsea. <laughs> Are you saying that because you're a fan, or because that's what your mind's telling you? Okay. Um, my hope is Chelsea, but I don't want to jinx myself. I don't want to jinx myself. So I will. Looking at this, I think um, Man City is the strongest to win. I would say, but my hope it will be Chelsea. Okay, that's that's fair. I I'd probably agree with you, and, and say Man City right now. I I still, if I was betting, I'd probably bet on Bayern. But um, if if I had to guess, I would say just Man City are super strong right now. Um, they have a big enough league lead and uh, the league, so they can maybe rest a couple players for those big Champions League games uh, and make sure they got their full squad out there to uh, to finally get over the hump to so Pep can prove that he can win a Champions League without Messi. And and yes, and Xavi. Yeah, and then you got Bayern and PSG. PSG obviously looking for revenge, uh, trying to run it back, and then Porto obviously trying to run it back again, and then Real trying to you know reclaim their glory, uh, try to 
win the Champions League without Ronaldo. Liverpool, you know, um, trying to add another European trophy to, to their collection. And then Porto, you know, just uh, just just there. <laughs> Not much to say about Porto, but um, definitely a, a factor as well. And then um, Chelsea, Ryan High. So uh, exciting matchups to come. And then going on to the Europa League, um, we have Arsenal versus Sabio Praha, Phil um, Real versus Dynamo uh, Sarbe, um, Granada versus United, and Ajax versus Roma. Um, probably Ajax versus Roma it will be like the toughest matchup uh, out, out of these four. But I'm um, starting to mention if um, Arsenal and Phil Real win their ties, you know, then. Mikel Arteta will be playing against the manager that he replaced, Unai Emery. Yeah. Um, Arsenal always kind of find a way to to mess it up in the Europa League. Um, a couple years ago, they had Atletico on the ropes and they weren't able to put them away. Um, two years ago, they lost to Chelsea in the, in the final. Last year, they got knocked out by Olympiacos, who they just beat this year. So, so maybe they Very are... Good. Yeah, barely. That's true. They did lose in their last game, but they went through because they they won by enough in the first game. So they have been playing better, Arsenal. Um, they've definitely turned a corner since that that horrendous start this at the beginning of the season, where people were talking about them getting relegated. Um, and I think when it ever comes deep into these competitions, um, you kind of have to give the advantage to those those top four, top five league clubs. Uh, those English clubs, those German clubs. There's no German clubs in here, but uh, the Spanish clubs, uh, Villarreal and Granada, um, will have a good shot to to go far. So I I think it's going to be United versus the winner of the Ajax-Roma tie. I think that is the, the team that's going to eventually take the crown. Mm. So, so those teams from that bracket will will be this will be your contender. I feel like, yeah, that for me, that's that's where the strong teams are at. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Dynamo Zagreb just they just shocked Tottenham, but I I feel like uh, they were down and a better team would have been able to close them out. And I just feel like Arsenal are going to find a way to to lose it again. So, I feel like the the other side of the bracket is where where the winner will come from. Well, you can't well, you can't count out a Unai Emery coached uh, team because you know whenever he coaches in the Europa League, they they win it. So, well, yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, the ties will be playing against the same time as the Champions League, so we'll update you all on that. But uh, moving stateside, uh, the United States, um, the Olympic team, um, Olympic qualifying is finally underway. And this will determine whether uh, the uh, other 23 team will be playing in Tokyo um, this summer or not. They play against uh, Mexico, uh, the Dominican Republic, and uh, Costa Rica uh, over these uh, couple weeks. And the top two would advance to uh, the knockout round and uh, see who uh, qualifies from there. And um, the... Under 23s got a major boost to their camp to their campaign hopes with a very very crucial win over Costa Rica. Um, it was a crucial win. It wasn't a pretty win. It was, in fact, quite quite frankly, it was a 
ugly ass win. Um, sometimes the players didn't know what the hell they were doing. Um, passing the ball back to the play, passing the ball back to the Costa Rica players, um, almost spilling the ball in the box, almost giving up a penalty the last, last minute of the game. But none of that matters because three points are in the bag. And that's all we need because um, our talent um, right now is paling so far from what Mexico have brought out for their um, under-23 team. And, um, you know, these are going to be crucial um, for – all the points we get are going to be crucial um, to get that second spot. Yeah, when you get into a, a win-or-go-home tournament, it's it's not about the performance. It's about the results. So. Mm-hmm. I, I would say there's no such thing as an ugly win because a win is a win. And and that's three big points they got over Costa Rica. Um, their next game is going to be against the Dominican Republic. And if they can win that game, it almost assures them that they'll they'll have a spot in uh, the winner go home semifinal. So that means that they can get blown out by Mexico and, and not have to worry about it. But uh, yeah, getting back to the game against Costa Rica, when your goalie is your best player, that's usually <laughs> not a great sign that the team is very strong. Um, uh, before the game, there was some some bad news that Ulianes was out because of an injury. He's out of the tournament, so he was probably going to be their their best attacking threat. And not having him really did uh, was a major blow to the team. Uh, Jesus Ferreira did get the goal for us. He had a couple. He had three really good chances. One that he hit off the post. One that he put away and one in the second half that he should have put away to kill off the game. He was mm. put through on goal, um, and he, he wasn't able to, to get it over the goalie. Um, but other than Ferreira, the only other bright spot. Sam um, Vines? Sam Vines, yeah. But I would say only Sam Vines going forward. Him defending was still a little bit shaky, but every time he got up into the attack, he was, he was putting in a good ball. He was, he was connecting with, with the wingers. Um, uh, I should mention that the goalie's name is David Ochoa. Um, he he was he was brilliant. Had a huge save in the first half. Um, Costa Rica was through on goal, and he came out to to meet the attacker at the near the edge of the eighteen and, and stopped him. That would have put Costa Rica up one nil, which completely changes the the complexion of the game. So glad we have him. Um, I didn't expect him to start. I thought it was going to be the Earthquakes goalkeeper JT Marcinkowski because he's been called up to some of the senior events. So I thought they were going to put him in there, but I think he might have gotten injured. That's why they put Ochoa in. Mm, uh, well, I'm not glad that someone got injured, but I'm glad that he was able to step up and, and have a big performance like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely saved pretty much saved the game. Uh, if we're being honest, um, because Costa Rica was threatening the entire, the entire game. And, um, once our and our once our chances dried up, it was pretty much you know defending for for our lives. And not gonna lie, that game gave me a heart attack. Um, every time Costa Rica was advancing, it was like, oh no, they're, they're, are they gonna score? Are they gonna score? Um, it was just one of those like really nervy nervy games um, for for the U.S. You know, um, something that we haven't really had uh, for a long time um, for for a while, and it just shows you know. Finally, having a game where stakes mean something, um, and um, looking forward to what we um, looking forward to playing the Dominican Republic 
and um, seeing what we can get against uh, Mexico. If we perform the same way we did against uh, Mexico, then it will be a blowout. Yeah, it'll be it'll be five nil or something <laughs> like that. Um, one thing I want to say about the U23s is I I'm really happy. Maybe happy is not the right term, but I like the the diversity that we have in our squad. If you look at the players on the field, um, there's Latino players, there's white players, there's black players, and it kind of represents the the greater U.S. population, which which something that is you know there's a lot of the crappy things that go on in our society and our communities, but that's one thing that that we can be proud of that there's a bunch of people from from different communities, different backgrounds coming together to to play under the U.S. soccer team and and try to make everyone proud. So that's something that that made me smile yesterday thinking about that. Um, we still have work to do with uh, in the, within the soccer community, within uh, coaching and front office positions for uh, for minority peoples. Um, in the MLS, I think Luchi Gonzalez is the only Latino coach, and um, I'm blanking on the Colorado Rapids coach name right now, but he's one of the only black coaches, Robin Frazier. So, you know, incremental steps. Uh, 20 years ago, there weren't too many black and Latino players in our, in our squad, but slowly, but surely we're, we're making some progress. Yeah. And that was another like contributing factor to some of the lost generation that we have between, you know, the Donovan, uh, density generation to the Pulisic McKinney generation. Um, you know, um, we were getting certain types of players, you know, who were, um, meaning like upper middle class who can afford all the traveling to different like soccer uh, camps and uh, competitions and leagues and uh, people who can really afford that and may have like very talent were kind of just just left in the dust and it showed um, in these um, through that through that rough uh, post 2014 period um, but definitely great to see um, more shifts to having people play uh, because of their talent, not because they can pay a quota. And, um, you know, definitely a bright spot. Um, still have work to do and like gain a solid um, in merging all these players together. Um, but, you know, if we can get wins like this, then it's all going to be worth it. And, you know, just shows uh, the work that 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 progress has been has been coming when you're talking about the the middle class white players with breck shea immediately popped into my mind i think that's <laughs> he just kind of epitomizes that who is who was thought to be some some big talent but he was really just like some below yeah. average yeah. <laughs> ass there you go he's some t- not very good mm-hmm. uh, soccer player yeah. aaron johansson Hey, don't hate it. Don't hate on Johansson. He's out in Poland still scoring goals. I still uh, see highlights. Okay, okay, okay. How about Max uh, Discrude? I don't know. Max Discrude? Yes. I, I think th- I think those guys were are uh, foreign U.S. players. Like they were born on like military bases or uh, other stuff like that, so they could play on the U.S. team. I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I think that's where where those guys come from because i'm pretty sure johansson's from iceland yeah or at least yeah the fact like we had to like these were the elite you know the elite uh quotation marks european competition we had to we had to get because our uh domestic um pool was just so so limited 
you know, really just tells, you know. And, you know, no disrespect to those guys, but, um, you know, thank you for your service. But um, just, just moving on to something bigger and better. And speaking of bigger and better, um, the U.S. Uh, men's team are going to be playing against Jamaica and Northern Ireland, um, get some practice games in um, before starting the Nations League, before starting um, the Gold Cup, and pretty much starting before starting the World, the World Cup qualifying. And um, you would, and this squad consists of like who would be your A team. Um, pretty much, you have uh, Pulisic, you have Adams, um, you have Cannon, you have um, Dust, you have um, just just everyone um, that you would expect to be on the team. Is there except for um, McKinney? Um, <clears throat> probably just resting. Um, he has been playing with an injury for Juventus, so yeah. I think the biggest news though was uh, one of the do nationals that we got to commit to us. Do you want to? Do you want to tell everyone about that? <laughs> I mean, if you want to, you know, and I want to. Uh, we can do a little. So, guess who just committed uh, to the United States? Yunus Musa can't spell Mr. USA without Woo! Musa. Let's go, baby. Yes, as you know, Yunus um, Musa has been playing for Valencia in La Liga. He also had the opportunity to play for England. He played for them for the U teams, but you know, like our founding fathers, uh, it was a big fu to them, and um, you know, moved on to the to the real Patriots. So, um, yeah, this is. A welcome. Um, this is such a massive boost. Um, he did play um, in one of the friendlies, and um, yeah, I'll credit to Borhalter for um, getting him on the team and uh, helping and having them believe in his vision. Um, and it's going to be a great contribution to uh, the depth of the team, uh, the depth to the midfield as well, and uh, another attacking threat. Yeah, Borhalter. Um, has done a really good job of of getting those dual nationals to uh, to commit to the U.S. Uh, Musa's situation was a little different than Sardinio Dest uh, when he committed last year. That was that was huge when we got Dest. Um, I remember we were both pumped up about that. Let out some yells when he committed. But Dest played his his youth tournaments with the United States, so um, Musa didn't. Musa played for England. Uh, throughout his under 15s, under 17 cycles. So to get him to switch over, that's that's huge. Um, and it was basically just because a coach told Burhalter, someone in Burhalter's coaching staff, that they had a player with the U.S. passport at Valencia, and they just started talking to him and just started building a relationship and said, hey, yo, we'll give you an opportunity over here with the U.S. And, and Musa liked that, and he felt welcome. He felt like, this was the best opportunity for him to succeed. Um, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't pay him off to come here. We didn't promise him, uh, you know, mounts and mounts of gold. He just saw the the talent that's coming through the pool right now. And he decided to be a part of it, which is, it's a promising sign. And um, I hope him McKinney and Adams are a buzzsaw in that midfield for the next decade. Cause they could really wreak some havoc on CONCACAF teams, but hopefully wreak some havoc in, in a world cup or two. World Cup 2020. 
Mark, mark your words. Um, and we also had uh, some omissions as well. Um, Matthew Hope and um, Matthew Hoppe and uh, Jordan Sibachu weren't able to make a squad just for logistical reasons. Uh, we'll see if they can uh, get back uh, during the summer. But um, other than that, this is a very solid squad. Um, not the we have Jamaica, our uh, CONCACAF uh, rivals, and uh, you have Northern Ireland, some um, some European competition. Not the most elite European competition, but um, definitely a challenge for them. So, yeah, the Jamaica game should should be the A team against Jamaica's A team. Um, we should see our best out there. Um, and Jamaica's underrated, I would say. Uh, they've got a bunch of English Championship players, some a few Premier League players in there. But the uh, the Northern Ireland game will be kind of a a second squad because a bunch of our first team players, especially most of the ones that play in Germany, uh, won't be there for that game just due to quarantine reasons. They have to to go back to their clubs after that Jamaica game. So we'll be able to see our A team, but then we'll also be able to see a little bit of our depth. Uh, maybe we'll see see Daryl DK out there. He got called yep. in the squad again. Um, he's been banging in goals in the championship. Just scored two goals the other day against Wickham. He's got like five and eight games now, five in his last eight. So he's been playing really well. Um, apparently Orlando City turned down a, a $10 million bid from someone in the, the Premier League. So they're hoping they're hoping for more money for him. Um, and I'm hoping that he can he can score a goal in, the, in his U.S. Well, I guess it would be his second game, but. Maybe, hopefully he'll get a start in that second game because Sargent won't be there and, and he'll be able to prove uh, why he's been such a hot commodity. Mm-hmm. Also, we have Chris Richards and Brian uh, Reynolds um, in the team as well. Um, two hotshot players are playing um, in the top five leagues, uh, Richards with Hoffenheim and uh, Reynolds just who just joined Roma. Um, so... Uh, yeah, definitely see how they shape up in the defense uh, between Dest and uh, Robinson and Miaska um, and Brooks. Um, looking like a solid defense, which is something that I haven't said in ever. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's they have two starting Bundesliga center backs. I got a two right backs starting in Europe. Three right backs, actually, if you include Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Um, left back is still kind of iffy. I like Robinson, but he's maybe. Not the best, um, but yeah, their defense is is looking better than it has been in a while. Um, I'm pretty sure that these games take place later in March, like March 27th, I want to say, and the 30th. Don't quote me on those two dates, but later this month they'll uh, they'll be playing. Yeah, the 25th and the 28th, and then we actually have another one, I believe, on the 30th against Switzerland. And then that'll be our matches. No, no, I meant um, that's actually in May. So that'll be our warm up for our Nation League uh, matches um, coming up in uh, summer. And this is going to be a make or break summer for us. Um, a lot of competitions coming up. And um, yeah, uh, and now we can finally see our A team in action. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll report you on that. And. Um, with that, we can finish up here. Um, thank you so much for another episode of Soccer Not Football. Uh, this is Della. This is Daniel. And until next time, um, you know, keep scoring.
Moo USA. Moo USA. Moo USA. Moo USA. Moo USA.